Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that gives you just one page of Talmud a day, a page that hopefully, in these days of social distancing, you could take to heart and start your morning on an optimistic note. And today's page, page 18 of Masechet Shabbat, is all about preparing for that moment just before Shabbat, that magical moment where all the world, all of time and space seems to shut down. Uh, and it begins with a kind of an eerie discussion about the role of tools and vessels in our lives. And to help us through that, as ever, the man I trust more than anyone in all things Talmudic, Rabbi David Bashevkin. Hello. What a joy to uh, be back with you, though I do take some issue with the level of trust that you are instilling in me, even if you qualify it with all things Talmudic. Uh, I wish you the best of luck with that. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I'm building up, uh, I'm setting up expectations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm putting everything in, at its proper level. I, I know that our listeners uh, appreciate and delight in you as much as I had. And I know that they'll be grateful when you help us decipher the following little nugget, which I will now read. This is from uh, page 18b. The Gemara asks, based on these conclusions, who is the Tana who taught this to Sefta that the sages taught? A woman may not fill up a pot with pounded wheat and lupines, a type of legume, and place them in the oven to cook on Shabbat Eve at nightfall. Even if she placed them in the oven, not only may they not be eaten on Shabbat itself, but even at the conclusion of Shabbat, they are forbidden for a period of time that would be sufficient for them to be prepared, i.e. the time it takes to cook the dish from the beginning so that he will derive no benefit from a prohibited labor performed on Shabbat. Similarly, the Tosefta said, A baker may not fill a barrel of water and place it in the oven on Shabbat Eve at nightfall to boil the water that is in the barrel. And if he did so, even at the conclusion of Shabbat, it is forbidden for the period of time that would be sufficient for it to be prepared from the beginning. Let us say that this Tosefta is in accordance with the opinion of Bet Shemai and not in accordance with the opinion of Bet Hillel. The Gemara answers, even if you say that it is in accordance with the opinion of Bet Hillel, in those cases the sages issued a decree due to concern lest the one cooking stoke the coals on Shabbat in order to accelerate the cooking. So this is one of these passages, Rabbi Beshevkin, where you read something and, and you feel that there is something very beautiful and meaningful hiding behind the level of legalistic intricacies. So what is it that we're reading here? So there's a dispute in the Talmud about what needs to rest on Shabbos. Is it just the individual and the human beings who need to rest, or does everything in the home need to rest? Do you need to turn off your air conditioner? Do you need to turn off all the lights, turn off your fridge? And this is a dispute between Beishamai and Beis Hillel. And when I think about it, I really think this gets to the heart of both the beauty and the de very deliberate beauty and the very deliberate stress of getting ready for Shabbos. Because at the heart of this disagreement is the understanding that once Shabbos begins, there are certain things that are off-limits. We'll talk about what those things are. The Talmud will talk about what those things are later on in the tractate. And different people, especially you know, in modern times, in 2020, uh, have interpreted this in different ways. What, what's off-limits in Shabbos? But there are definitely things that in the Talmudic sense are off-limits once Shabbos has begun. 
which is part of the beauty of Shabbos, but to me, it's also part of the stress. And I think that they're interconnected, meaning so much of the stress of Shabbos is the fact that since there are things that are off limits on Shabbos, you have to do all of this preparation. You have to do all of your cooking before Shabbos. You have to set up, you know, when I was uh, growing up, Erev Shabbos was just the most stressful time. I knew you can't knock on my father's door. He, he would run in like only, you know, a couple minutes before Shabbos, quickly get dressed. My mother would uh, frantically be making food last minute. In a lot of Orthodox homes, they have something called Shabbos timers, where you could put the lights in your home on different timers. These are like very old-fashioned devices where you kind of turn a dial and make sure that the lights go on and off at the appropriate times. That right, you want so them. that you're not the one who's flicking the switch on and off. Exactly. And all of these preparations made the Erev Shabbos home like this frantic bubble of energy, but in some ways it was the intensity of the preparation that highlighted the tranquility of the experience of Shabbos itself. And and I always used to think it was so like, it was almost comical now that I look back at it. My grandfather, my Zadie, who, who was also a rabbi, his name was Moshe Bakritsky. He's an old-time rabbi, he was born in 1915. He was a rabbi in Portland, Maine, and then in Poughkeepsie. And he was so anxious about Shabbos preparations that he used to dress in his Shabbos clothes like six hours before Shabbos. <laughs> it would be noontime and he'd be sitting there like in a suit and tie, just like just waiting for Shabbos. And I think that as much as we imagine what our Shabbos experience looks like, I think what this passage reminds us is that we also have to pay attention to what our Erev Shabbos, our Friday experience leading up to Shabbos looks like. You know, it should have the energy, the excitement, the anticipation, the the um, the waiting, you know, the waiting for Shabbos. I think so much of that is important, and this dispute between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel about what needs to be prepared, you know, do you have to turn off all of your air conditioners, which, spoiler alert for those at home, you do not. You know, we decide the rule like Beis Hillel, your utensils do not need to rest. So if you set those timers and have the air conditioner going and your fridge is on, uh, you're, you're, you're in good shape. But I think it highlights like how much preparation needs to go in to actualize this Talmudic understanding of what Shabbos is about. Which, of course, is, is an intricate part of the pleasure of the day itself, right? If, if you just transition from, you know, business as usual into this majestic day of rest, you will not feel the contradiction quite so clearly. This way, you go right from this manic period of trying to get ready and making sure that everything's in place to 25 hours of, of absolute bliss. Exactly. I think that the... The frantic energy is what transitions into that tranquility. And, you know, when we think about Shabbos, we got to make sure that we focus not just on, you know, Friday night and Saturday, but, but Erev Shabbos, Friday afternoon, Thursday night. All those preparations are a part of the process. Now, I don't wish to make this timeless book um, necessarily bound by our particular and very odd news cycle. But it strikes me that there is kind of a message there for us right now, right? Most of us, at least here in the United States, uh, have spent weeks sort of getting ready frantically for what we were told uh, was going to be a period of lockdown. Uh, for many of us in the United States, that period began this week. Uh, restrictions in large cities like 
New York uh, are very, very clear. People aren't supposed to leave their homes except for, you know, real urgent uh, cases or, you know, necessities like grocery shopping. And so can we take a page uh, from page 18 in Tractate Bachot and learn that there is some kind of beauty and meaning in the transition from manic preparation to absolute stillness? I think there's no doubt about it that if Shabbos tells us anything, it's that the preparation is a part of the process. And if what we're seeing in the world now is regarding so much of the pain and the suffering and the preparations we're taking to alleviate that pain, there is an old Talmudic saying that mida tova meruba me mida ra. The characteristics of good always are magnified from the characteristics of the bad. The good is always going to outweigh the bad. So if this is the type of preparation we use to alleviate suffering, then imagine the preparation that we could put in to kind of create a Shabbos experience. And I know for myself, this past Shabbos, and we're still under quarantine here in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, as the sun was setting and the world was transitioning from pre-Erev Shabbos to the world of Shabbos, I wasn't able to go to shul, so instead I opened up the door to my backyard. Maybe you have a window or a balcony. I put on my talus, and I don't usually wear a talus um, to shul on Friday night unless you're the one, you know, praying at the top of the shul. But I put on a talus, and I went into my backyard, and I sang Shabbos songs. Uh, I sang with my little kids, Shabbos is coming, we're so happy, you know, Vidi Bum Bum, you know, those young uh, Shabbos songs, all those those classics, all the classics. And it was the sweetest moment because I got to really savor that transitional period where the process becomes the experience itself. And that moment for me for all of the frantic preparations and all of the stillness and excitement that happens on Shabbos itself, it was in that moment of transition where I really was able to bridge two worlds. And I think that on a global level, that's what the world is kind of experiencing right now. We're in this transitional period going from this world of of fear and anxiety, hopefully into a world of mitigation and safety and all that stuff. And you really start to see how much preparation is a part of the process itself. Inshallah. Rabbi Vashevkin, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, Liel. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Daf Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.